Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you. The Bauer and Rose Show, the Bauer and Rose Podcast, here on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125. We're hosted by our friends at justthenews.com, and we are available in podcast form wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure and hit the subscribe button. Give us a five-star rating. You will never miss an episode. Well, Gary, it's been a couple of days since we spoke. And I haven't had an opportunity to tell you how relieved I was, and I know many of my Jewish friends both here in Israel and back home in America were, to see a President Biden's response to this explosion of anti-Semitism by putting Kamala Harris in charge of fighting Islamophobia. Yeah, uh, for those of you new to the Byron Rose Show, that was, uh, that was Tom being facetious. Uh, you, you know, Tom, we saw what happened when she was put in charge of illegal migration into America. It promptly exploded and it keeps on exploding and she won't get within 500 miles of the border. At least she might see it and actually learn something. So I, I would suspect, you know, as bad as the anti-Semitism is sweeping uh, not only the world, but the United States. And we should talk about that a little bit because of what just happened this past weekend here. But I would expect that with her in charge, we can sadly look forward to uh, anti-Semitism exploding even further. I mean, the ones fueling the explosion of anti-Semitism are now regarded as victims of Islamophobia by the White House. Hamas murders 1,400 Israelis, results in this explosion of unprecedented Jew hatred. And the threat isn't genocidal Jew haters. It's the... Uh, Muslims who are fueling this fire and the fear that that some people uh, might have a problem or an objection to these these monsters. Right. I mean, I don't want to live in a country that supports uh, Hamas supporters. If you're offended by living in a country that permits people to put up posters of kidnapped Jewish kids being held hostage by Hamas, then leave. I, I, I mean, this is as fundamental as one can get. I mean, we've been sleepwalking into this for decades since we've lost sight of what our country stands for, what we believe in. We can't even define our core values and traditions, much less defend them anymore. And now we have an administration that argues the threat that is posed by this war is Islamophobia. The whole thing is a fraud. It, 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 it doesn't exist, right? It, the this, the, the term is used to intimidate people, to imply some form of bigotry to people that don't like the horrible things that, that too many Muslims and far-left wokesters do and defend. To the extent that it even exists, 
it's created by the hate by the behavior of these radical Muslims. It's created by the behavior of Hamas. It's created by the behavior of those who cry Allahu Akbar while murdering families or uh, more topically, uh, trying to uh, break into the White House and throwing red paint on the fence and hanging the Hamas flag at the White House. Yeah, the the, the images out of downtown Washington, Tom, uh, on Saturday were uh, it was extraordinary. The estimates of the crowd was uh, over a hundred thousand. Now, I this probably will not surprise you, Tom. So you have a, a demonstration in Washington D.C. with over a hundred thousand people. It, it did not make the front page of the Washington Post. It didn't make the front section of the Washington Post. It was on the front page of the metro section. So I'm thinking, well, why would that be? Because what was said by the demonstrators, what the demonstrators did would be so repulsive to any normal American that the Washington Post and other media outlets didn't want people to see it. Look, and this is interesting, Tom. A couple of independent outlets believe they have evidence that in the crowd that outside the White House were yelling, Biden, Biden, you can't hide. Yeah, I don't know what the second part of the rhyme is. There were White House employees in the demonstration. <laughs> and they literally, I haven't checked it out yet, but they literally have posted the video saying, we're pretty sure that so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, they all walk, work at the White House. <laughs> so, Tom, this is this is amazing. Uh, uh, Sleepy Joe, uh, he, you know, he already spends 40% of his time on vacation, literally 40% of his time. He's at one of his many vacation spots. Uh, but right now he, he must be wondering what's hitting him because this coalition in the Democrat Party and, and Lord knows they know how to do this. I mean, for a long time. Years ago, they were able to able to keep George Wallace and Martin Luther King in the same party until eventually that unraveled. And and quite frankly, to the benefit of the Republican Party, where a lot of Southern Democrats uh, ended up gravitating to to the Republican Party. But but now this intersectionality thing that you and I have talked about so often where gays and lesbians, uh, because of intersectionality, are supposed to support uh, Palestine and Palestinian mu- uh, Muslims are supposed to support gay rights. And uh, re- remember the big uh, uh, controversy when they tried to get rid of uh, one of the Jewish women that was going to speak at the Women's March uh, when uh, uh, Trump, the year Trump was uh, inaugurated. Uh, and uh, they were they were getting rid of her because she was pro-Israel. And they said, you if you are a progressive and you uh, are supportive of LGBTQ rights, you are obligated. You must support uh, the Palestinians. This makes no sense anywhere to anybody except in the fevered minds of the fevered swamp. Of modern American progressivism. I mean, Islamophobia is a term that's created by Muslim extremists and their fellow travelers on the far left to condemn those people who condemn them. I'm sick and tired of hearing about it. Not wanting to share our society with people who support genocide, terrorism, murder, 
kidnapping of small children doesn't make me an Islamophobe. It makes me normal. I, I, I mean, this is yeah. this is a, a phenomenon. We are now beginning to uh, uh, reap the whirlwind. We sowed these seeds over the past 30, 40, 50 years, and now we have a generation of young people that through, you know, this, this, the, the, I heard someone, I think it was Douglas Murray, call our university system the Wuhan lab of, of wokeism. You, mm. you, you sow the seeds, and over a series of generations, uh, you're able to transform, infiltrate, and utterly take over every institution that shapes our society. And when that happens, and these people have nothing but contempt and or hatred for our society, remember, the Iranian Revolution coined a phrase, Great Satan, Little Satan. These people, these haters, this, this odd coalition of LGBTQH, LGBTQ, and then H for Hamas. So Hamas is now with the LGBTQ crowd. It's the most unnatural, bizarre uh, coalition ever. What unites them is their hatred of you, not you, Gary, personally. Um, although I no, imagine I think it is very personal. I feel like it's aimed at me, Tom. I, uh, it's certainly aimed at uh, what's called Christian Zionism. Oh, absolutely, right? it's, absolutely. It's aimed at, yeah. It's no, I mean it's it's exactly right. I mean, if we've said this for time again, if Hamas goes away tomorrow, there are no more rockets. Uh, if Israel puts away its military tomorrow, there's no more Israel. Uh, this, um, you, you know, we've and and then we have. The scene last week, I don't know what kind of attention it got back home, but it was a big deal here. When the U.N. defeated this motion to condemn Hamas, it was followed by cheering and ovations in the hall of the U.N. General Assembly, right? Nobody, nobody in the, let's be honest, nobody in the Muslim world cares a fig about Palestinians. Israelis care far more about Palestinians than any Arab state. I mean, we've got 300,000 Muslims killed by other Muslims in Yemen in the last five or six years. 600,000 Muslims in Syria killed by other, by other Muslims, um, since the civil war broke out there 10 or 11 years ago. They're not marching because they care about Muslims. It's, it's, it's a joke. They're marching because they care about Jews. These people aren't marching about the Palestinians. They're marching because they hate Jews. That's an America. It's two sides of the same coin. They hate America for the same reasons they hate Israel. They hate Israel for the same reasons that they hate America. That you have these Judeo-Christian societies that reject the notions are at least used to before, uh, you know, the modern campus crowd took over our institutions that used to assert the primacy of the individual, the value of private property, individual freedom, liberty, freedom of conscience, that we don't coerce people into religious beliefs, that we have free and fair elections. These people aren't marching in favor of anything. They're marching because of what they hate. They hate the United States the great Satan, and they hate Israel, the little Satan. This, this, this bizarre coalition of LGBTQ 
and H being Hamas, that if they were mixed together, the LGBTQ crowd, the alphabet crowd, wouldn't last very long in Gaza. No, and and Tom, the fact that this is something that's even debatable is, I mean, I, I, you know, I wish there was a poll just of LGBTQ people to see how many are buying into this. I I mean, they they would not only be killed, they, I mean, they would be, they would be tortured, they would be defiled. Uh, The the very concept, it's just, it's so insane. You know, one of the marchers um, had a sign that he was carrying uh, that said, my grandmother is older than the nation of Israel. And uh, I saw it and it reminded me that you know, what's going on here is not only an effort to erase Israel and its history and the Jewish people, but if it's successful, it necessarily also erases the history of Christianity. Um, unless his grandmother is, you know, somewhere between 2,000 and 3,000 years old, she's, there's no way she's older than the, the quote, nation of Israel. <laughs> the, the, this is what, you know, we have mentioned a number of times, the Jews are the indigenous people of the region. They were the original people of the region. And they were there. I know this is going to be really shocking for some young Americans that uh, may accidentally tune in. Uh, this is when Joe Biden would whisper, they, they were there, the Jews were, 600 years before Mohammed was born. That's right, folks. Six centuries before there was Islam, the Jews were living in Judea and Samaria. It, the, Jerusalem has never been the capital of any nation other than a Jewish nation. So, I mean, the, if well, what can I, you know, why am I so astonished? You, and you know, nobody, you, you, you know, it's an American. If you stop an American kid on the street and ask them, you, you know, what uh, what what war uh, was it that the United States was fighting uh uh, Germany, you, you're you're just as likely to hear uh, the Revolutionary War uh, as you are World War Two. I mean, we're we're, you know, we're sadly, it's not the it's not the fault of these kids, but they're they're being set out into the world rudderless with no accurate history, and because they don't know their history and they're confused about their present, they have no future. I saw something uh, on the internet. I can't remember from the march. Somebody, maybe it was Avi Horowitz. Uh, the guy that goes out and tries to find stupid people at these rallies. And he kept it's asking. It's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> he kept asking, you know, their chant from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And he asked a couple yeah. of these people, uh, what river are they talking about? Of course, these people had no idea. <laughs> what river? They're talking about the Jordan River, obviously, when they say that. Because from the river to the sea, those are Israel's boundaries. And the notion that uh, Palestine, quote unquote, will be free is a direct uh, implication advocating the destruction of the state of Israel because uh, Israel exists within those borders today. By the way, Palestinians that live in Israel are free, but this indigenous people argument, why is there no pushback? If you want to play that game, where will you go? Because I got to tell you, I'm from Indiana. I have far less right as an American, according to this argument, to live in Indiana than as a Jew I would to live in Israel. Because if you live in Tennessee or Nebraska, uh, you're not, quote unquote, indigenous. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, we yeah. took the, you know, the, the, the um, development of the American frontier, the development of the North American continent uh, re- required people to move. Some people moved in, some people moved out, right? The Indians that were there, the tribes that the quote-unquote white colonialist settlers dispossessed, who did these tribes take over from? There's many thousands of years of history of Native American tribes fighting each other, killing each other, despoiling each other, taking land. This indigenous people argument, these these idiots, they're so stupid. They don't even realize what they're arguing. Their argument gives them less right to be here, to be at home in the States, than it would for Jews to be in Israel. Yeah, you know, Tom, the uh, the, this, uh, the river to the sea deal, uh, uh, Rashid Tlaib, uh, or is it Tlaib Rashid? Uh, what, the obnoxious Whatever. Hamas She's, supporter from Michigan. Yes, right. Um She's been, you know, putting this up on social media and did an ad that has it in it. And when people have said, you're, you're calling for the extermination of the Israeli people, the wiping off of a, the map of a whole nation, you're basically repeating what the mullahs of Iran say they're going to do. They're going to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. Uh, they're promising a second Holocaust. And she goes, oh, no, 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 that is so, so silly. This is an aspirational description. You're reading things in it. Nobody would think it means that. Well, of course, she can't come up with any explanation or meaning, meaning other than the one that is obvious. But the thing that jumped out at me, Tom, she comes from the same group of people uh, on the left who just a couple of years ago were telling us that when you gave the, not you, but I mean, when anybody gave the AOK sign, you know, folks, when you, you, you make a circle with your index figure and your thumb, when somebody does something you, you, you like, or they say something you like, you, 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 you know, you put up your, your fingers, but yeah, hey, that's great. AOK, man. Good for you. They're saying everybody knows that is a secret white supremacy uh, <laughs> symbol. I'm like, what? Nobody knew that, you know, and and so then they started going back, looking at old photographs of people who were giving that sign and promptly labeling them all as, you know, closet bigots, probably KKK members. Uh, you, you know, every time we turn around, we're hearing about another dog whistle. Oh, when you say you want the border closed, what you really mean is you don't like people of color. Uh, yeah, no, I just want a secure border. So they've got all these dog whistles, little things that nobody would think of that we're told mean something that everybody knows when they meet. Nobody knows that. But when something is as clear as this chant, we're t- told, oh, no, you completely misunderstand. Meanwhile, the deputy commander, I don't know what the official title is of this guy, uh, Ghazi Hasmini, or whatever his name is in Beirut, the deputy commander of Hamas, says on Almanar Television, which is the Hezbollah television station out of Beirut, that Hamas's objective is to create more 10-7s, to create more massacres. He said three, four, five of them, if possible. He also said in Arabic, and this comes from the memory website, those are folks that really do a great job, by the way, memri.org. They translate all these 
these these radical fundamentalist TV stations throughout the Arab world. They translate them in English. They do a great job. Uh, he argues quite openly that if Israel is coerced into, quote-unquote, a humanitarian pause or a ceasefire, Hamas will use that to resupply, to replenish themselves, and to prepare for further battle. The pressure that Biden's facing right now is coming from two, we talked about it earlier, the LGBTQH constituencies, the the far-left wokesters and the Muslim fundamentalists, the anti-Israel left and these fundamentalists. The shock, and I see it more because I'm Jewish and I'm related to all these people, unfortunately, the, the, the shock and the disorientation, Gary, among some of these left, left-wingers that are pro-Israel, mostly Jews, those dwindling few are just aghast. Their mouths are agape at what you and I, and I would bet most of our listeners knew all along, that the people they've aligned themselves with for low these many decades are now, when the masks are off, openly supporting a genocidal agenda against the Jewish people and accusing these left-wing Jewish fellow travelers themselves of oppressing Palestinians, now suddenly the leftists are crying foul because suddenly they feel they're uh, that these Jew haters are finally breathing down their necks. You've got, what was it, 100,000 demonstrators chanting in Washington on Saturday night for the destruction of the state of Israel, supporting a genocidal murderous organization, and our police are either unable or unwilling to enforce public order. There was a clip of a bunch of guys, not Jewish guys, they look like union guys, trying to wave American flags. And D.C. cops had them behind a barricade. And when these guys are saying, hey, hundreds of Palestinian flags are coming up the street, why are we behind a barricade with an American flag? The cop basically had to be honest and say, there's just too many of them and not enough of you. Yeah, no, that's exactly right, Tom. I mean, look, this is why, and we've talked about this many times. I actually, it's like a thing with me. I'm like kind of obsessed with it, that uh, the the left wants to own the streets. They see the power of owning the streets. That's why any time a conservative or a normal American decides to, uh, quote unquote, go into the streets or take a stand at that that's edgy, you know. Whether it's that lawyer couple in in uh, in Missouri that went out on their front porch mm-hmm. and told the left wing demonstrators they to get off of their property, and they tr- tried to destroy that couple because uh, you 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 know the left has the right to be in the streets, and you don't have a right to come out of your house and stand on your front porch and uh, and and say anything that might be untoward. We saw what they tried to do to the young man in Wisconsin who went to help his friends out in the town over that was the site of rioting. He ends up getting assaulted, and in the process of defending himself, he ends up uh, killing the guy that was trying to kill him. They wanted to throw him in jail forever. A jury, thankfully, uh, would, would not convict him. Uh, and I'm, I'm convinced, Tom, that what happened on January 6th uh, the reason it's so over the top and, and quite frankly, the exact opposite of of this insur- insurrection on on Saturday uh, is that they mean to send a message to uh, all conservatives, all middle Americans. Look what we will do to you 
If you dare get rowdy, if you dare demonstrate and get in anybody's face the way we did all with the way they speaking to themselves, the way the left did all through the summer of 2020 to intimidate Americans before they went to the polls to vote. What the message that was being sent is you reelect Donald Trump. You see what's happening right now in your cities that we'll come into your suburbs and do the same thing there. I think it actually probably worked, Tom. So oh, absolutely. controlling the streets is a big deal. One, And then you can take this and run with it if you want. Look at the difference and how the demonstrators on January 6th were treated and how these people on Saturday were treated. There was one arrest on Saturday. And I'll guarantee you there will be no effort to identify and go out and find the people who tried to climb over the White House fence. They tried to breach the perimeter of the White House. There were literally people, uh, Secret Service guys, with guns that came out of the White House. Some reports are that they had rubber bullets, but they were there because they weren't sure that the perimeter of the White House would hold up. What happened? What would happen if three, four, five hundred of those people got over that fence and started rushing the White House? You, you know, and again, this was an unprosecuted, uncommented upon uh, riot that happened Memorial Day weekend at the White House of 2020. The first major George Floyd weekend. I actually was uh, one of the many people that was barricaded in the White House for the full night. We weren't allowed to leave. I had to sleep in my office. Uh, again, no major arrests. There were over a hundred law enforcement officers that were, that required medical treatment. And what we saw Saturday, a hundred thousand people, that was 10 times, at least 10 times the number of those that were on Capitol grounds on January 6th. So you've got a double whammy. You've got an administration that just won't pursue left-wing anarchists that want to burn everything down, combined with a massive monumental crowd that existing law enforcement staffing numbers can't possibly begin to deal with. So we've got a situation, you know, it's very similar. It's like people are going to say, oh, he's comparing it to Mussolini. Well, Mussolini took over Italy by his famous 1922 March to Rome. And there weren't 100,000 people in that. And they marched over a period of several days, got everybody in a frenzy. We don't know because there wasn't public opinion polling, but the Italian establishment was terrified of this guy. And and King Victor Emmanuel, when he arrived in Rome, Mussolini, with his, with his brown shirts, or black shirts rather, uh, Victor Emmanuel says, after accepting advice from the civilian government at the time, we're, we're outnumbered. We have to give him control. So Victor Emmanuel invites Mussolini to form a government, totally undemocratically, because they were terrified by the prospect of mob violence, of anarchy, of chaos. This is right after you know, the First World War, when everybody was on edge as it was. So here we have these these um, apocalyptic Armageddon-type Muslim fundamentalists. And the difference between the Christian redemption and the Muslim redemption is that the Muslim redemption, the reaching of end times, so to speak, is with the establishment of a global caliphate, 
all Jews are destroyed, all Christians are destroyed, uh, all Hindus, all Baha'is, and certainly all Muslim heretics. This is what they seek. This is, and they're very open about it. And now they control not just Iran, which is, as Henry Kissinger used to say, and he was absolutely right, Iran today is much more of a cause than it is a nation. Its ideology is to create a global Muslim caliphate under the strictest Sharia interpretations one can imagine. And the similarity between their end-time designs and the end-time designs of these utopian left-wing uh, useful idiot social Marxists that we see marching on behalf of these, you know, seventh century barbarians. Hatred of Christians, hatred of Jews goes, ve- it goes literally to the founding of Islam, goes back to its very roots in the seventh century. Since Jews were the very first people to turn down the very kind invitation uh, to join Muhammad and his followers, uh, he responded to this rejection of his very kind invitation by beheading all the Jews in the town of Medina. There were hundreds, according to the according to the Quran. And the rub is, and this impacts Christians as much as it impacts Jews, Islam claims to be the last religion to have received revelation from God. There's an Old Testament, there's a New Testament, and there's a Final Testament. There have been previous revelations. There was the Old Testament. There was Moses. There was Jesus. But this is the last one. So so the final word of God and the very first sentence of the Quran, you know, here is the book in which there is no doubt, the very first sentence of the Quran. So if you're the recipient of God's final revelation, then presumably you should be sitting on top of the world. You should be superior to everybody else in achievement, in accomplishment, in, in advancement. You'd be the bee's knees. But despite the, you know, there, and there have been periods in, in Islamic history in the uh, 9th, 10th, and early 11th centuries when Islam was a leading civilization. But that was a long time ago. And when you look around at the Muslim world, things don't seem to be going so well. So if we're the recipients why are our lives so crappy? And how do these inferior Jews and Christians come back, you know, build this land in the state of Israel, this tiny patch of desert with no resources, half desert, half swamp, and turn it into this productive, innovative, hugely successful country? So the people that rejected Muhammad, Christians and Jews, were both still here. And they can do two things. They can look in the mirror and say, what did we do wrong? Or they can begin to come up with these conspiracy theories about how they've been cheated. And you build that in with this um, this, this, this left-wing uh, oppressor versus oppressed social Marxist theory of uh, the reality that we live in, and there are a lot of similarities. In other words, what unites them is hatred of us, and that hatred is much more powerful than any of the things that would otherwise divide them, like, say, throwing the LGBT, LGBTQ elements off rooftops and hang them from construction cranes in Gaza or in Tehran. So this is a very, very deep problem. And what we've done is we've imported millions of people into the United States that adhere to this belief system. I, look at Europe. Yeah. I mean, Europe is yeah, gone. You- it's just gone. So a couple of things, Tom. Uh, It's very disappointing and disturbing to me that in the wake of all this, 
um, the the usual voices, including Barack Obama oh and the Biden and, you know, the whole administration, but also a lot of people on on Fox and so forth are, are saying now, now, look, Israel has a right to defend itself and we support them. But obviously uh, there needs to be a long term solution here. And we all know that long term solution is two states living side by side in peace and security. This is the last time. The, the worst time to be talking about giving uh, people another nation state for, for to house who? Who are going to be the upstanding citizens of this new nation state that want to live side by side in peace and security with Israel? Just walking through the mob here on Saturday, as numerous reporters did, saying, are you asking for a second state or are you – Asking for the destruction of Israel. And time after time, the marchers, young, old, and everything in between said the destruction of Israel. Awarding them a state which would result in taking away the current land of Israel would have to. You're going to have to squeeze in another nation between Jordan and Israel somehow. And then bring that wonderful place called Gaza uh, and somehow connect them because they're not contiguous without in the process dividing the landmass of Israel. I mean, it, the whole idea is insane. But I want to segue, if we can, to what is happening to the Democrat Party and Joe Biden, because he's got this huge problem now within the intersectionality movement of uh, Jews and Muslims, both of whom are uh, kind of angry right now. And they're demanding contrary things that the Muslims are demanding he stop supporting Israel and the Jews are demanding that he support Israel and not standing their way as they try to wipe out this nest of vipers that has used the, you know, the whatever it is, million and a half people in Gaza as human shields to protect them. So you've got that problem. And then overnight or yesterday, a Siena New York Times poll came out uh, that shows uh, Trump defeating Biden in five out of six swing states. And, folks, it's not just by, you know, hair, you know, little margins. But Trump is ahead of Biden, according to this reputable poll, by 10 points in Nevada. That is unbelievable. The The irony, another irony, Tom, is the only state of the six that that Biden still had a, le- had a lead was Wisconsin, where he was up with two, which happens to be the whitest, W-H-I-T-E-S-T, the whitest of the six states. Now, you don't. Biden's still winning there. You don't think that. That's going to hold because remember the media in the last month, six weeks, hasn't been paying a lot of attention to, attention to Trump. Once he's the nominee, don't you think that the whole thing will begin again and we'll have this cavalcade of 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 smears and hysteria and pandemonium about Donald Trump? I mean, I think part of the reason that he's doing so well is that the media hasn't had the time or opportunity to spend. Uh, you know, to spend a lot of resources attacking him. But once that changes, you know, I. Yeah, I just dis- I disagree, Tom. Maybe you maybe you're right. It's the kind of thing you, you, you know, you can't tell until it, it happens or whatever. But uh, um, they have black they have blanked Trump out. 
He gives a major speech and puts major ideas on the table. You can't find those ideas anywhere right. unless you're already following him on one of the platforms. But if they, they covered, but if Wait they a minute, let me finish okay. this. Let me finish my explanation. But at the same time, they are reporting on him, and it's all about his trials, the charges against him. He's an accused felon. Once he's convicted, he could spend 100 years in prison. That is nonstop, Tom. It's on every station, including on Fox News. So under that withering attack, he is moving up. Not down. And I think when people hear what some of his solutions are, for example, stopping this mass migration, et cetera, uh, I, I think he'll do even better. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Because yeah. what we've seen from this administration, we now have had in the last 10 days, 31 attacks on U.S. military assets and or personnel yeah. in this region, the Middle East, in Syria, Iraq, um, at Saudi Arabia, from Iranian proxies. And remember, these proxies basically control Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, and Yemen. They're shooting at U.S. troops in Syria and Iraq, not because they're escalating the war with the U.S., but I think they're doing it to encourage Biden to pressure Israel and it's working because the Biden administration, I don't know if this got any coverage in the States, even announced last week a ban on small arms exports for Israelis to defend themselves, owning you know private weapons to protect themselves against another October 7 massacre. Trump's foreign policy wasn't all that complicated. His foreign policy was, if you kill Americans, you'll die. Now, some of the base didn't like that about him, uh, but ironically, they praise him for starting no new wars, but that because he was good at foreign policy, they now you know, accuse him of setting the table for this. Donald Trump had a clear vision of what he thought the national interest was. He supported our allies, and I think very effectively, he was unpredictable, sometimes emotional. Our enemies never knew how he would react Never knew what he was going to do early on in the administration. I remember this explicitly in some of the meetings I was fortunate to sit in on as a backbencher after Bashar Assad, the murderous dictator of Syria, had been exposed using chemical weapons to kill his own people in the civil war. Trump wanted to kill him. And if it wasn't for Jim Mattis... um, who talked him out of it, who was defense secretary at the time, he might have done it. Uh, Trump is right. The best way to keep America out of foreign wars is to get the details right. And he knows that the path most likely to lead to this Armageddon Third World War that everyone is rightly worried about is Biden's determination to do any and everything in his power to preserve the relationship with Iran I mean, they, he's done nothing to change the Iran policy. He hasn't even been willing to acknowledge or allow anyone in the administration to acknowledge that Hamas is a front for Iran, that, has, but that, has, that Hamas, responsible for the 10-7 massacre, is funded by Iran, that Iran is uh, uh, the man behind the scenes, Iran is the, is the puppet master. So 
you know, these these Gen Z activists that are protesting against everything but terrorism. Uh, I mean, if they get what they want, God forbid, it'll be a third world war. Well, Tom, getting back to U.S. politics, when this poll hit over the weekend, the uh, panic, which was already building in the ranks of the Democrat Party, went on steroids. On Morning Joe this morning, they, they couldn't come up with enough room to fill all the boxes, uh, each box having a guest in it, uh, to screaming about, how can this be? How can this be? Donald Trump's winning. Uh, even our uh, old turncoat friend, uh, Bill Crystal today, joined the uh, crowd, not surprisingly. Uh, he, Axelrod, and others are basically sending strong sim- signals to Biden that he needs to, for the good of the country, uh, not run for reelection. Axelrod, Tom, as you know, uh, doesn't say anything publicly that he hasn't run past Barack Obama. And Axelrod did a, uh, a message on X, which used to be called uh, uh, Twitter, uh, th- this morning saying uh, if uh, Joe Biden persists in running in, in the primaries, he will be nominated. But if he stops thinking about himself and starts thinking about the country first uh, and stands aside, uh, basically, that would be the best thing to do. So that was a clear message from the Obamas, who, by the way, Tom, just did a 15 year anniversary celebration of the end of their administration. They brought together several thousand people in Chicago that used to work for them and had this big rah-rah session. Tom, I think these things, when you start connecting the dots, uh, to me signal that the rumors about Michelle Obama being a a potential eventual uh, replacement for Joe Biden, uh, either at the convention or wherever, is a real possibility. And by the way, two American Jews that are worried and concerned that Biden is pulling the rug out from underneath Israel, uh, don't get all excited about Barack Obama, who made a moral equivalent statement over the weekend uh, about the, the two sides that was stomach turning and who I believe is probably directing a lot of the anti-Israel uh, movement right now within the Biden administration. He said in this speech on Pod Save America, where he made these outrageous, disgusting uh, comments that we're all responsible for Hamas uh, terrorism and we're all responsible for the, quote, unbearable Israeli occupation of Gaza. Well, first and foremost, Mr. President, Gaza is occupied by Hamas. There's not, now there is. A, many, there are many Israelis there, uh, quote, unquote, working, wearing green as they destroy Hamas. But prior to 10-7, there was a ceasefire in Gaza. The ceasefire was broken by Hamas on 10-7. Hamas has controlled Gaza utterly and thoroughly for 17 years. There hasn't been an Israeli inside Gaza for 17 years because if an Israeli walked into Gaza, he'd last about 35 seconds. I think Joe Biden, in his heart and gut, is much more pro-Israel. Obama's never liked Israel. Obama's been anti-Israel since his early days as a Chicago organizer. Uh, he, you know, attended a madrasa in Indonesia. Uh, he, in his famous uh, world tour after assuming office in 2009, 
uh, speaks at Al-Azhar University in Cairo and says America will never, ever, there's no circumstance where America would ever be at war with Islam. Well, there are elements of Islam, significant elements of Islam, that are at war with us, Barack, and they've been at war with us for quite a long time, since 1983, the Marine barracks bombing by Hezbollah, orchestrated by Iran, funded by Iran, coordinated by Iran. So, uh, Michelle, you know, it's interesting, you, you, I don't really know much about her, I mean, she has to be as vitriolic as Barack, if not more so, but she's always indicated she has absolutely no interest whatsoever, and I know uh, people are talking about a about an Obama run. Well, Obama, of course, the Constitution doesn't mean anything anymore. Uh, would be barred if the Constitution were were taken literally uh, from running for a third term because of both the Twelfth Amendment and the twenty what is it Fifth or Sixth Amendment on presidential terms and successive terms can't serve more than two terms. Um, he's served his two well, terms. If- if if you say as she has that she's through friends and others that she's not interested, it, it sets her up even better, right? To be mm-hmm. able to say, you know, I, I've said repeatedly, I won't run. I I don't. I'm not interested. I have no desire for that kind of power. But when I see the possibility that our country could could sink into fascism under this MAGA movement and and uh, Donald Trump, their Fuhrer. I, I had to step up as a woman to try for the sake of my children and my grandchildren uh, to save the country. I, sadly, I think it's a powerful uh, message, Tom. And of course, uh, Constitution be danged. Exactly. Uh, it would be the third term. Exactly. And you know what? They'd find a judge somewhere that would say, I mean, the way this, you know, our political system works now and our judiciary works now. You basically have two tribes. You just find your own judge, find your own series of judges, find your own circuit, and they'll rule that he's eligible. But I, I don't think I, is the, I mean, I well, think in, in, in 2008, there was magic. There was Barack Obama, first black candidate. You know, there was a magic of America electing a black president. Do you think that still exists? Well, I th- I think uh, that the one thing that's causing us to be more competitive right now is that the identity politics thing has has appears right now to have, er- have eroded, and and I think part of it is the the spectacle at the border, and, and the result of that is that you've got working class people of all colors, races, ethnic groups, etc., who are uh, looking at this. And, and saying uh, the country's being destroyed. This this is impossible. What in the world is wrong with the Democrat Party and Joe Biden? So the polling is showing Tom that uh, the the support among blacks for Trump is up like to twenty five percent. That Hispanic Americans, particularly ones that arrived here through the normal immigration policy, uh, uh, policies. Uh, are are moving more and more toward the Republicans, but I wonder if um, if the Obamas are still iconic enough. I think Michelle Obama has the highest approval ratings of of any public figure in the United States. That's because nobody spent any time focusing. Take it right. all back, you know, to the identity stuff. And I, once she's front and center, I mean, she's a she's a nasty person. 
You know, she's she's she is. Oh, she's but just, she hugged George Bush and she hugged <laughs> and he hugged her. Tom, I mean, come on. Every uh, time I see that picture, I want to put a, my fist through the TV set. You know, and it's and, and Jews don't either we don't understand it or we don't appreciate it or we simply don't have the guts to combat it. Jews, 70 percent of whom are Democrat. And if the election were held today because of Biden's waffling, uh, his support among American Jews would drop from 70 percent to probably 69.6 percent. But Jews have a unique have a unique opportunity here to push back, just like the left is pushing Biden. And Obama even admitted this on this on this in this speech the other day that was quoted on the uh, the moral equivalence. He said, you I met with you before you guys pushed me. You guys pushed me to be more pro-Palestinian. I mean, Jews could do the same thing. If Biden lose it, if, if Jews made it clear, Jewish Democrats made it clear, which they wouldn't do, unfortunately, that if you go with the jihad squad, we're out, then that yeah. gives him a real dilemma. He's got to pick sides. And if it were that, if the approach were that binary, I think he'd have no choice to stick with his uh, supporters and friends of 50 years, namely uh, Jewish Democrats, because there are more of them, even though we don't, they don't make the kind of noise or ruckus uh, that the Muslim fundamentalists and their left-wing allies do. Um, but yeah. I, I, the Republican Jewish coalition really went after Obama. I mean, very articulate statement, took him on point by point. I'm, uh, I was really proud of them. They need to keep doing that. Your, your analysis is, is exactly right, Tom. There's a number of billionaires, by the way, um, some of them Jewish, who have been so uh, racked with uh, surprise and, and then horror at what was happening on our university campuses, the Jewish students, and they're they're taking away their money from these schools. And the the president of Harvard is, I think, as of this morning, issued either her third or fourth statement trying to get uh, in the right position after appearing completely uninterested in the fact that Jewish students on the campus of Harvard were literally hiding in their rooms with their dorm room locked. Because they were afraid that fellow students coming from some of these uh, jihadist infected countries to come here and study, uh, they, they feared that they would they might attack them. And in fact, uh, Jewish students on some campuses just over the weekend have been attacked. Tulane. One of the people that did that was uh, the editor of the, the Harvard Law, Law Review. Review at Harvard. Right. Yep. Uh, um, and the, well, he'll be a great lawyer. Yeah, right. The language was outrageous. Uh, the the filth that came out of his mouth, the hate that came out of his mouth, uh, physically abusing this this Israeli kid who was apparently trying to get from one end of the quad to the other. Here's the final question. How dare he? Tom? Exactly. That's here's, occupied territory. <laughs> here's the final question before we go, and I don't know the answer to this. Uh, Mike Johnson, new Speaker of the House. What about? expelling anyone that supports terrorism from the House of Representatives. We have five members of the Democrat Party that openly support or apologize for a terrorist organization, a terrorist organization recognized as such by U.S. law. 
the U.S. formally regards Hamas as a terror organization. Wouldn't there be a case for expelling these members? Now, last week, of course, there was a motion to censure that 20 Republicans voted against, which which saved her from censure. But you know where they were from? New Jersey, New York. No, they were they were from uh, uh, basically Michigan and maybe uh, one or two in Minnesota. And it was another uh, reminder, Tom, of demographics are destiny. They they were in states where the significant Muslim population that is growing rapidly. And even this handful of Republicans was not willing to cross them. And that's just a censure. I mean, yeah. Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and AOC to a lesser extent, but they openly support Hamas. That's a terror organization by law. If I do anything to raise money for Hamas, that's a felony. So if, if I cut a pro-Hamas ad that asks for money, that's a felony by U.S. law. So why do we have these people leading these marches that are members of Congress that vote on federal legislation? I mean, even if they lose, I would like to see a vote demanding the expulsion. And if 25 Republicans vote against and it fails, so be it. At least we'll know who they are. Tom, as we close here, I just want to reassure you again and uh, uh, everyone in Israel and American Jews that uh, organizations, which uh, sadly many folks uh, in the Jewish community don't like for reasons I I don't completely understand <laughs> organizations like My American Values, uh, uh, the uh, James Dobson Family Institute, uh, Christians United for Israel. We're all going all out uh, to speak uh, firmly and without any hedging against anti-Semitism. Uh, we're raising money for Israel. We're raising money for uh, the Israeli Defense Forces. We're writing letters to the editor. We're doing everything we can. We're making calls to congressional offices. Uh, I, I did a back buster trip uh, over the weekend all the way to Seattle and back to speak to a group of Christian leaders in uh, in Washington state. And a third of my speech was about you have got to stand with Israel. You've got to stand with American Jews in Washington state. Go to your local synagogue, introduce yourselves, uh, ask how you can help. Go to your Jewish neighbor, even if you disagree with that neighbor on everything. Show them the love of the Christian people. And who knows, it's worth doing on just for the sake of doing it for the value of doing it. It's the Christian thing to do, but who knows? What was the reaction? Some dividends. What was the reaction? Uh, Standing ovations. I mean, uh, you know, everybody is in on this except for uh, those segments of the Christian community that are confused about whether same-sex marriage is biblical or not, those (laughs) folks are also confused on who's right and who's wrong in the Middle East. No surprise there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this was a great show. And we will talk in a couple of days. You're listening to the Bauer and and Rose Show. You too. God bless. Catch us a couple of times a week on the podcast or on the weekend, Sirius XM, The Patriot, Channel 125. So long, everybody.